Hello, I'm Attila Matson, and this is the FCI podcast. Today, we talk about probably one of the most spread behavioral problems of dogs, and this is separation anxiety. Today, my guest is Malanada Martini Price, who has been an expert on the topic for two decades. She has her own certified training program for trainers who handle dogs with separation anxiety. She is also an author, and her last book was published end of 2020 with all the updated information. Am I right when I say that separation anxiety is the modern behavioral disease or problem of dogs? As it seems, it's getting a widespread problem, or is it just getting more attention? What is the situation with separation anxiety? Well, that's <clears throat> a great question because I think that there's a little bit of both happening there. Um, it is actually the number one behavior problem that we're seeing. And um, the majority of the vet clinics and behavior clinics, um, that is the most prevalent problem they're seeing um, hand in hand with aggression. In the United States alone right now, we're estimating a little over 50% of the pet dog population suffers from separation anxiety. So in the US, that would be 44 million dogs. That is a major welfare issue. However, I think that separation anxiety has received a lot of attention, particularly this last year during the pandemic. And so some people are just Oh, my dog cried for 30 seconds while he was alone. He must have separation anxiety. So I think we are, you know, we're sort of over labeling um, some dogs. And um, so that that probably is contributing, but it is definitely an issue that is very widespread. What is separation anxiety exactly? What are the symptoms? And you can say that, okay, my dog has this kind of problem, not another behavioral issue. Yeah. So What's interesting is I think most people don't realize that separation anxiety is equivalent to a phobia in dogs. So it is a panic issue where they are terrified of alone time, truly, truly terrified. And one of the reasons why I always point out that it is a phobia is that by definition, phobias are very irrational to anybody that is not experiencing it. So us as you know, pet parents are like, I come back every time I leave. Why is my dog so upset? But to the dog, it is very, very real. They are terrified. And uh, so I think it's important to understand that. Now, insofar as the symptoms, there's so many potential symptoms, but the three most commonly observed and researched are vocalization. So that could be whining, barking, howling, any kind of vocalization elimination. So going to the bathroom in the house, but only when left alone. And uh, lastly, destruction. And that one is the one that, you know, people definitely notice because they come home and there's, you know, chewed up doors and wall frames and carpet, etc. So those three symptoms are the most commonly reported. There are also the three symptoms, though, that are an inconvenience to the pet parents, right? So some dogs will just pace and whine and drool, which there's no neighbors to complain about. There's no destruction. There's no you know mess to clean up. And so those dogs may go undetected or people might think it's not a big problem, but it is. Why? Why, why should I? If, I? if I have a dog, if I have a dog, I have a dog parent. And I, I have a dog, uh, I, I know my dog suffers. Uh, I wouldn't say, so I start again. I, I, I don't consider this as a situation my dog suffers. I just simply don't care. Maybe I try to, to, to do something, it was not enough. It was not successful. And I put my dog uh, into, into a mobile kennel or a box when I, I leave home, just to avoid ruining the whole flat again. And I'm, for example, I'm not a good guy, and I don't care if if my my neighbors are are, are arguing with me all the time that my my dog is barking all the time. Why is it important to handle this situation from the aspect of dog? Yes. Well, you know, we have to remember that when we are 
you know, a pet parent and we are this guardian to this animal, it is our, it is our responsibility to give them um, the best possible life that we are able to offer. And these dogs are experiencing such distress and suffering when left alone, that not only is it awful during that, you know, those three hours or whatever that you're, that you're out running errands. Um, but it physiologically and psychologically it's damaging. So we see these dogs incurring all of this inordinate stress. And if it continues over time, not only will it typically get worse, it also will start to result in problems with gastrointestinal problems with autoimmune problems with skin problems with, you know, all sorts of physical problems will start to be manifested. And I think people probably can understand that, right? We, we think of the, the guy in corporate America that's stressed out all the time and he's got an ulcer and he has a, you know, this problem and that problem. And these, these stressors physically impact the animal. Um, but also psychologically it is, traumatic. It's traumatic what they're going through. And I want to remind people, if anybody has ever experienced a panic attack, or even something horrible happens, like you're about to go through the green light, and someone goes flying through and you slam on your brakes. And for that one minute or two minutes, your heart is going and you're shaking and you're sweating and everything you're worried. What if that lasted for four hours a day in that state? That is not something that we can just say, I don't care. I'll let my dog just do that. Yeah, I think in, uh, there is one, one really positive thing in this. I'm really happy that recently we started to talk about uh, the, the, the biological effect on the body of the dog. Uh, I mean, mean the, the effect of behavioral problems and not just separation anxiety, because in case of humans, uh, it's, it's, it's been known for a while that that's too much stress, uh, anxiety, whatever, harms our, 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 our physical welfare. And the same is true with dogs. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that it is, it is a topic now. And it is, it is really, really known now that, that, that uh, they can suffer biologically. And, and you can't really uh, ignore the fact that, that your dog is not just misbehaving or, or being really annoying, but, but it, 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 it suffers or will suffer later. And, and right. maybe a very serious symptom uh, goes back to, to any kind of behavioral problems. And what is, what is the reason behind developing something so serious and and i think uh that there are different different uh levels of separation anxiety there there are those mild forms and there are those really severe behaviors actually before i answer the first question let me let me address that mild versus severe um i often I'll, i'll give you an example i often use this example uh i i'm terrified of spiders I know. Me too. Me too. I Are understand you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Terrified. I mean, I'm terrified. Uh, so imagine if we, you and me and one other person, okay, we're all three terrified of spiders. Now, when I see a spider, uh, I scream and I run out of the room and I, I'm, you know, I'm a mess, right? Scream like a small school girl. Um, let's just say when you see a spider, you pick up the nearest object and you throw it at the spider and you're like, I got to kill the spider. I got to kill the spider. Uh, And then let's just say the third person um, sees the spider and starts to cry, goes into the other room, locks the door and waits there until her partner comes home. And she just cries quietly while she, while someone else takes care of the spider. So the reason I bring up this example of those three people, you, me, and that one other person, could you tell me who is the most afraid of spiders? No. no, no, no. no. And so we are often saying separation anxiety dogs are severe or mild, but we are only basing that on the outward symptoms or the outward manifestation. So if you, because you're afraid of spiders, are throwing things all over the place trying to kill the spider, someone may come home and say, oh my gosh, you know, you must be so terrified 
But the girl that was crying and made no indication outwardly probably is just as terrified, right? And that's what we see with these separation anxiety dogs. We have some dogs that simply lie by the door drooling and whining. And while some may say, well, that must not be very severe, actually that physical manifestation of drooling is quite a prevalent symptom. And so some are labeled as mild because they're not destructive, they're not upsetting the neighbors and they're not uh, pooping and peeing in the house. But that doesn't mean that they are not equally as terrified as the dog that is destroying the door when left alone. Did I lose your vote? Uh, no, no. Oh. Okay, I think you can't hear me. Just I, I was I was just listening. <laughs> just oh no, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's it is okay, okay. I got the point. I got the yeah, point. Yeah, it's I think that's important because I I don't want people to say, hey, my dog only paces and whines and therefore it's not a big deal. No, it's still an issue. I I got I wanted to ask this because in, in case of other behavioral problems you have uh, the very first stage when, when it's not that severe, it's a bit, bit mild. For example, uh, the dog is a bit misbehaving, et cetera, et cetera, cannot be controlled. And after a while, if, if uh, uh, no one cares about the behavioral problem, no one fixed the problem or no one try, uh, starts to train uh, the dog, after a while, it will develop into something severe. So in case of separation anxiety, uh, we don't know if there are certain levels where, where, where it is not that serious, easier to handle. And if, if uh, the dog parents uh, completely neglect the situation, it's just getting worse and worse. I think we do know from the research that the separation anxiety will typically get worse if nobody addresses it over time and the dog is continually being left alone. What we don't know, or in some ways we know, but it's maybe not helpful, um, the dogs that are labeled severe, okay, they're trying to escape windows and they're destroying the house, et cetera, um, don't necessarily progress any slower, nor is it any more difficult to come to successful resolution than those dogs that we start with that are simply drooling and pacing. And so it could take much longer for a dog that's drooling and pacing, not always, but sometimes. So I think the only way that we know that it's maybe easier to modify uh, is if we start early. Uh, and I don't mean puppyhood early, although that would be lovely. That's that's the perfect you know situation. But I mean, the day that we leave and we come home and we go, oh no, this is maybe a problem that's the time to start working on it. Not like, uh, I hope it doesn't get worse. And six months later, you're, you've got a very ingrained and rehearsed behavior. And what is the reason behind, or, or, or you wanted to say, to say something else? No, I was going to say, I, I didn't answer your question about what is the reason yeah. then. So yeah, let's yeah. get to that. Um, interesting. We know a lot about what does not indicate or does not uh, cause separation anxiety. We know about some correlations. Uh, we know a lot about associated behaviors. We know a lot less about the actual cause of separation anxiety. It's still a little bit ambiguous, even in the, even in the very detailed research that has been done. In the last few years, some of the research has been very profound in finding an actual um, genetic marker, a haplotype, uh, that is indicative of having separation anxiety. However, however, one of the things I think people should really understand is that it's not just genetics that influences the behavior. And just because genetics are at play doesn't mean the behavior is not modifiable, right? People hear, oh, it's genetic. I, I guess there's nothing you can do. And that's not true. Um, but I think what's important is that when this genetic marker is there, it depends on epigenetics as to whether the behavior is going to suddenly exist or not exist. So they could have that genetic marker and it may never um, come forward. 
Um, so it's the epigenetic side and it's the environmental side that we know influences that sort of perfect storm. The one thing I really want to say about this, though, insofar as what we know does not cause separation anxiety, it has been studied over and over and over again, starting in the 1990s um, by some fairly prevalent uh, researchers, and they've replicated the study over and over. Things like letting your dog sleep in the bed, letting your dog hang out with you on the couch, giving them lots of treats, uh, taking them with you on car rides or things like that. None of those have any causational effect with separation anxiety. So oftentimes people will say, oh, if you stop spoiling your dog, your dog won't have separation anxiety. And no, those are normal behaviors to treat a family member. If you want your family member to sit on the couch with you, that is not causing separation anxiety. What do you think? What is the reason? Uh, uh, because there are theories, for example, uh, people when, 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 the new, when the new dog arrives to, to, to the new home and, and the family stays together with the dog for, for two weeks, everyone takes the days off from work, they are together with the dog and suddenly uh, the dog finds finds no one around around in, in the house and absolutely changed the environment yeah. and and do you think it it it, it can be a, a certain kind of trigger that that the dog was not told that what what to do uh without without the the, the whole human environment right i think there's that's um a two-fold answer because and i think we're going to get a lot more interesting research happening post-pandemic, whenever that really occurs, whenever normal happens again. Um, but there is a process of habituating and acclimating a dog to alone time, right? So in the example that you just gave of, okay, they spend a couple of weeks, they never leave the dog alone, and then suddenly they go back to work for eight hours a day. I think in that situation, we are setting a dog up for failure, but not necessarily setting them up for separation anxiety. I think the separation anxiety has to be a bit of a component of the animal. So some dogs, they, they get left alone the first time for eight hours and they may cry and pace and whatever they do. Um, but then by the second or third day, they're like, oh, I guess this is what happens, right? Mm -hmm. And they just slowly acclimate. And usually it's not that slowly. Usually it takes a while, but, but other dogs, that first time that they're left alone, it is terror, right? It's not just boredom. It's not just, um, you know, oh, I wish someone was here, a little bit of fear missing out. It's terror. And we don't yet know why some dogs respond in this terrified way. And some dogs are like, oh, this is terrible. I've never been left alone before. I'm going to, I'm going to chew on the couch pillows and I'm going to be a little bit of a naughty dog because I've never been acclimated to this. I think, and it's important that people know this because I think we can do all sorts of wonderful things to prepare our dogs for alone time, but some of those dogs will still end up having separation anxiety. Uh, am I right? This is this is the this is a kind of 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 I wouldn't say thin line, but this is the borderline between a spoiled, misbehaving dog and and the dog suffering separation anxiety, because because the the symptoms, I mean the the results of the behavior can be the same that that ruining the whole whole flat uh, again uh, whatever. But but as you said. Uh, the behavior and what is happening inside the dog is absolutely different. If it's it's different if 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 the dog is terrified, as we were terrified seeing a spider together. Uh, yes. But and it's different when when the dog is is oh I'm so bored I have nothing to do at home let's 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 destroy the couch let's exactly. let's play this is this is this is uh, a deer or or hunt down something. And what's so important about that is people say, well, how would I ever know? Well, guess what? In this era of technology, we have things like Zoom and we have 
standalone cameras and we have FaceTime and Skype and all these things. The difference when you watch a dog that is just bored or has never really been trained about alone time, you can see the very, very distinct difference in their body language. They're kind of having a party, you know, woo, I'm playing yeah. with the couch. I'm, yeah. you know, and, uh, oh, I'm getting into the garbage can. And, you know, they're, they're kind of enjoying themselves, maybe a little bored too, but, you know, finding enjoyment in it. Typically the dogs that are terrified, you can see the dramatic difference in their body language. They're frantic. They're frantically digging at things, chewing at things, howling, you know, running back and forth. And the body language is very distinct. And so I think that actually we can't look at, well, my dog destroyed when I was left alone. He must have separation anxiety. No, we actually need video in order to determine whether this is anxiety driven or just boredom or something else like that. Okay. I think it would be good to, to, to understand how, how it develops. I, I mean, what is the core? Of, of, of this, this problem. I mean, uh, you, you said that it is easier to tell what uh, do not contribute to, 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 to having uh, separation anxiety, because I wanted to ask such things, if there is any connection to separation anxiety, like, uh, for example, uh, separation uh, from the litter, at a very early stage, for example. It is in, in Europe, uh, for example, illegal puppy trade is, is a huge problem. And in many cases, they separate the puppies at age at an early age when they are four weeks old. And also uh, we know from, from, from science that the, the early development, I mean the behavioral development, the early socialization period is really important. And that is the base of many other behavioral problems, for example, aggression. Uh, does it have any connection to separation anxiety according to science? So according to the research, um, many of the researchers indicate, and that's a perfect example of removal from the litter too early, that it won't, and this is where it gets a little bit, you know, muddy, it won't it's not like it's a hundred percent. Oh, all of those dogs are going to have separation anxiety, but it is setting up a predisposition that separation anxiety could develop. Um, singleton puppies, puppies early from the litter, um, you know, under socialization or, you know, particularly illness during that socialization period um, where development is being stunted, um, you know, all of those things, a, a particularly traumatic event during puppyhood um, or even later in life is what we're also seeing. Um, and, I, and I bring that one up because, you know, we see all the time people that contact us that say, you know, I've had my dog, um, you know, buddy for five years and he's been fine. He's home alone. No problem. And we just moved to a new home and now he's freaking out and crying and destroying and pooping and everything. Uh, and so sometimes a big, big change or a traumatic event in the eyes of the dog um, will be so will be a trigger for the causation. I do think people can prepare very successfully uh, and, you know, take time like that family, let's say, as your example, you know, took all their time off of work and never left the dog. Well, in, well, if they have the time to take that off of work, then maybe on the second or third day, they say, okay, I'm going to leave the puppy or the, the new dog alone for five minutes, seven minutes, something like that, and see how he does. And then gradually increase over time so that by the time two weeks or however long comes up and you do have to go back to the, to work um, and other life activities, the dog is like, Oh, this is that alone time thing. Yeah, I, I got it. So it is, it is, is it a general advice you could give to people who start to, to have a dog, how to, how to, to help the dog to adopt the new environment. And I mean, buying a dog for, from a breeder, uh, taking a dog from a shelter, uh, changing environment by what whatever reason so this is this is gradually helping the dog to 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 adopt to the new environment 
Right. Absolutely. And, you know, this is true while I'm obviously just, you know, I only work with separation anxiety now, but I, you know, I've been in dog behavior and training for, for many, many years. And this is true of a lot of behaviors, particularly fear-based behaviors, right? Uh, think about if you have a, let's just say a reactive unleashed dog, you don't start five inches away from a dog, you start sitting on a park bench where the dog can see a hundred feet away, other dogs, and we feed them, you know, and give them a good association there. Um, we don't, we have to begin in very small increments and gradually build upon that so that the dog can get comfortable and start to feel safe. Um, as opposed to sort of throwing them in the deep end and saying, you know, good luck with that. Okay. I think it's a good advice because because I think it's important to to know these 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 small tricks which are actually not tricks but it's it's about how to how to how to uh, start to train a dog and how to introduce uh, a dog into the new environment uh, to to avoid further problems and what to do if someone uh, realizes that that okay my dog suffers separation anxiety and I have to do something with that. You, you already mentioned that first you have to analyze the body language of the dog to see if it's really separation anxiety and not just a bored dog uh, who is entertaining uh, himself, herself and the whole pack if, if more dogs are kept together. So uh, how, how can you, you do something to have any kind of improvement for the future? So once we have determined that, yes, the dog is suffering, it is some sort of separation related uh, behavior problem, then we are going to start to look very carefully to determine where is that dog's threshold. And by threshold, I mean, in this case, I mean, where does the dog start to become a bit panicked or a little bit distressed? And that's different for every single dog. Some dogs the moment the door closes, they start screaming and drooling and pacing. And, you know, so their, their threshold might be one second. Other dogs, you know, start to build up, you know, oh, I'm a little, oh, I'm not so, and then by two or three or five minutes, then they're howling already and so forth. So we want to look and determine where that panic point or threshold is. Um, and our goal is to start beneath that. And I know it sounds crazy because I, you know, I just said, oh, some dogs one second. Well, for that one second dog, maybe we can start with getting them desensitized to, I open the door, step out and I come right back in. And the dog, after some repetition starts to get a little, number one, gets a little bored with the game. Like, well, this is stupid. Nothing good is exciting or exciting is happening. Uh, and second of all, we start to acclimate them to safe absences. So that step out the door, walk back in, eventually become step out the door, count to three, come back in. And slowly over time, we build up that duration. Now, I think this is probably the most important piece of separation anxiety that people need to understand, or two most important pieces. It is not a quick fix. And everyone is looking for the quick fix. You know, everyone is saying, what can I give them? Can I give my dog CBD? Can I play music? Can I give them uh, some sort of food that has a, or some sort of medication or some sort, you know, all these things. Um, and while some of those can be adjuncts to a proper training protocol, the gradual and systematic desensitization process is really what is going to help the dog learn how to be home alone and that lo alone time is safe. Yeah. Uh, so patience is, is key. And, patience. It is, it is and, and compassion, you know, in the beginning, when we started talking or compassion or, or even better yet, empathy, when, when you started to say, well, what if I don't really care about my neighbors complaining and I don't really, uh, <clears throat> we have to understand the level of suffering that these dogs are experiencing and have some empathy for that. It's not, this is not a naughty dog. This is not a dog that's just misbehaving because he didn't learn how to sit or lie down. This is a dog that is terrified. And so we have to have that patience and that empathy saying, oh gosh, I know if I push my dog too quickly, he will suffer. And so I have to go slowly. 
And, and it, it may sound a bit, bit, bit stupid, but is it, and I will explain you why. Is it possible to, to completely uh, erase separation anxiety from a dog or there are just certain levels you can just fix, fix these behavior problems a bit? I, I mean, this, if someone, someone says that, okay, I, I, my, my dog has problems, I accept it. Okay, I will, I will take the, the time, money, effort to, to uh, help my dog. And I accept that it takes time and it's not, not an easy fix. Okay, we, we live in, in a world where we want uh, everything at once because, because that's what we got, got used to. Uh, but uh, the reason why I'm asking that, that uh, do I have to prepare in my case that, that maybe my dog will never be perfect? And, and I, can, I can fix this a little bit but but there's still there will be problems, but but not with that severe symptoms. Okay, I know that we we talked about the mild and the severe concept. Uh, yeah. These are just symptoms. We don't know what is happening inside the dogs. And I'm asking this because we all know that dogs get abandoned due to behavioral problems, and it is it is an interesting uh, question. Actually, it is it interesting for me, and maybe it is a bit boring for others that what I consider to be a problematic behavior. Can I uh, accept that, okay, this is all I could do to help my dog. Uh, nothing more could be done. And I, I accept my dog and I live together with my dog like this. Because I hear stories worldwide that people take dogs back to even shelters because they are not satisfied with the behavior of the dog. So uh, uh, I just wanted to, to explain what was in my mind. Uh, and, and the major, major question is that, that, that can you completely uh, help to, 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 to leave this whole problem behind? Or, or, or what are the, uh, the success rates? Sorry for this term, but it is, it is, it is not. But you know well, what I mean. I do. So it's interesting. When you put the sort of caveat on it that you've got a pet parent that says, okay, I understand it's going to take some time. I'm going to put that time, that uh, emotional energy, that finance, maybe uh, energy and, and bandwidth towards the problem. And they're patient with it. We see so much success. Now, there's a, there's a couple things that we need to understand about that. One is I don't think for any separation anxiety dog, although there are, you know, anomalies, but I don't think we should be trying to leave a dog for 10 or 12 hours a day. I think these dogs usually max out around four or five hours. So if you work an eight hour day, probably have a dog walker or a neighbor come in and let the dog out to go potty or something like that. Um, but that's, you know, there are some that are fine, six, eight, 10 hours, but I think that is stretching it for a dog that at one point in time had separation anxiety. The majority of dogs, we work up to that four or five hour mark. And once we get there, we're done. Now you could, unfortunately, let's say someone in the family dies or you move to a new home or so if there's a big change, a big precipitating event, you might see the separation anxiety return. But if it's just day to day normal life, once you've finished, you probably will not see any problems. Um, and obviously the nice thing though, is if something does happen and the dog starts to regress, we know exactly what to do. We know exactly what works with that dog. And it's like, it's, it's like riding a bicycle. You fall off and you can, you get better every time you fall off the bike, you know how to ride a little bit better. Right. And so um, it, it usually goes a much more quickly once if, after a regression. Um, and I like that you're talking about the potential of relinquishment. And I think, uh, you know, relinquishing to a shelter or giving the dog up to another person or whatever. Um, there's, there's actually some research that shows that about 30% of the, um, I think it's 30%. I'll have to double check my research, but it's about 30% of the, uh, of the dogs that are 
given in turned in at the shelter have some sort of separation related behavior problems. Um, and I think one of the things that is making me very happy, but also worries me, we are getting so much more awareness about this problem and that's great. But I think the biggest reason for that relinquishment for people returning or, or giving the dog up at the shelter or giving the dog to a friend or something is that they have no idea how to work with it. The most common suggestions are stuff a food toy, put them in a crate, maybe try some medication, leave music on, um, leave a item of clothing that smells like you, things like that. And none of those are successful resolutions or will create a sex successful resolution. And so if you just go onto the internet and that's all, you know, you say, well, I tried and I couldn't fix it. I was just, 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 just picturing us in a room with a spider listening to music and feeling not, not really. No, at all. no, exactly. No. And I, and I would say the same thing for if you gave me an ice cream cone, but I saw a spider. So like, if we're going to stuff a food toy for a dog, yeah. Give me an ice cream cone and then throw a spider at me. I promise you, I'm still totally afraid of the uh, spider. Uh, and and I think uh, you 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 mentioned the pandemic, and uh, you mentioned that that there will definitely be some some scientific results, and and there are some already. Maybe yes. not connected to, to separation anxiety. I don't know because I don't know know the, the papers. Uh, related to this this area, and uh, am I right? It, it 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 probably gave some some push to the negative negative side. Of all. I and unfortunately, I think it did. Um, I mean, just from my perspective, we have seen probably three times the number of inquiries per day that we were getting prior to the pandemic. Uh, people are, but. There are contributing factors to that. Number one, the number of people who acquired a dog during the pandemic is outrageous. So um, they're saying that, you know, over, I, I, now I can't remember the statistics, so I won't quote it, but it was a huge number. You know, the majority of families brought in a new pet, dog or cat or whatever uh, during the pandemic. And so many of these dogs have no experience with alone time because everybody was working from home and the kids were not in school, they were homeschooled. And, and so I think what we're going to see is, a, is certainly almost epidemic proportions of separation anxiety, but I think we're also going to get a new understanding of how can we acclimate these dogs successfully when it's kind of separation anxiety, they're kind of worried, but they're kind of not, when we have the opportunity, because we've been home for 15 or 16 months, and we know we're not going back to work for three months or however long, how can we most successfully get them to that, prepare them for alone time? Because I think what's happened in the past is just as your example earlier, we spend you know a week or so with the dog and then we go back to work for eight hours a day. Uh, and some of those dogs are separation anxiety dogs and some of those dogs just you know sort of tolerate. I think with the pandemic, we're gonna have these sort of two classifications of these are actually sort of more clinically separation anxiety dogs. And these are actually dogs that just never had exposure to alone time. I'm sure there will be a massive, massive scientific literature literature about about the pandemic dogs because yes. because a lot of people I, I can understand the, the reason why people started to 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 have dogs at home but but and and immediately I, I saw a lot of articles I had my own small video series about about the dangers of, of starting to have a dog uh, when when the whole whole situation started and but but people forget that this is a dog. It, this is not, not not an object which entertains me, and 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 yeah, there will be. I think there will be very serious uh, consequences worldwide, depending on the country. Everyone was happy that, for example, shelters got emptied. Yes. 
but it's, in the long in the long run, it, it can be a problem. And what do you think? I, I almost forgot to ask when we were talking about about uh, how to handle handle uh, these dogs, how to help them. What do you think about medications? Giving giving drugs to dogs. Yeah. So I have a I have a personal bias um, that is very pro medication. Uh, and I did not have this bias 21 years ago when I started, I thought, no, training can solve everything. It's not a problem, blah, blah, blah. But through the years, what I saw was these dogs are really suffering and the people are really suffering. Uh, just they're upset and mad and frustrated and everything too. And if we can help the dog by using medication, not for a lifetime, but for the duration of the training, uh, we're actually giving them a better quality of life. And I know that a lot of people are quite afraid that the medication is going to like, oh, I don't want to drug my dog up. But I think people should be really aware that there are only a few medications that are uh, approved for the use um, of separation anxiety mitigation. And none of them, none of them actually fix the problem. It only sort of helps reduce the dog's anxiety a little bit so that we can actually make better progress. Because when the dog is in that state of distress, they, we know that stress inhibits learning. We know it. Uh, think about think about people that are stressed out for um, for learning situations, and then they go and take a test, and they they're stressed and they can't, you know. So stress inhibits our ability to learn, and so if we can just lower that stress just a little bit, not with sedation, we don't we uh, vets will not recommend typically much, if any sedation for, for an animal. Um, it's mostly the use of medications like serotonin reuptake inhibitors or tricyclic medications, um, that should not change the personality of the dog should not make them, uh, you know, half asleep and nothing like that. And I think that they can be very, very effective and it's not for every dog, obviously, but, um, I think, when someone actually determines that their dog has separation anxiety, one of the first steps is to talk to a professional and to talk to the veterinarian and have their input. And maybe they don't start on medication right away, but maybe the vet is now aware. So if things get worse or are not getting better, then medications should be an option. I think, I think the main point in this, uh, it is okay if it is justified, and as you said, that that when someone does not depend on on the medication exclusively, it is just an extra helping accessory for the whole the whole process. Uh, we know, I, I know, I know people from from my environment with with, with some kind of problems, and it's, I know it is so easy to take a pill and 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 forget all the problems and forget working on the solution of That's the right. real prior problems. And I think, I think uh, the same danger can happen if we are talking about, about helping, helping dogs. When we said, oh, I just gave a tablet to my dog. It got knocked out completely. It is, it is right. It is okay. No, you, you still have to, 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 to focus on the problem. I usually use the, the example when I, I have a very serious Toothache, then I, I, I go to, to the dentist, not just taking painkillers all the time because it will not solve the problem. It's just right. partly helps to, to do that. And, uh, and I, I, I just like to go back to, 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 the, to the very beginning that why do you think there are so many dogs suffering separation anxiety? Because I have one theory, but I would like to. to, to to hear your your opinion about that, because you said that it is it is it is it is a huge number of dogs in the USA. Huge, huge, and I suspect it's just <clears throat> prevalent in other countries. I really do. Yeah. I think there's a lot of factors that are contributing. Um, I think we had very little. I think one of the reasons we're seeing growth growth of this problem is we are many of us living in very very tight urban areas. Uh, you mentioned that part of the year you live in London. Um, I have quite a few clients in London because 
there's that really dense urban environment. And so there's no tolerance for a dog that is barking all day long because you've got neighbors up, down, left, right, everything. Uh, and, and, you know, years ago, many, um, we had people living in more rural areas and there was oftentimes one parent always home. And now we don't have parents always home. I think just we've, we've evolved to a point that our lifestyle, I think has contributed to the, the inability to tolerate the dog's behavior, but we also have cameras and we have technology that can track all this stuff. And so people are a, a lot more aware. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a problem that is just like going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, maybe pandemic. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but I think that I, I think back to when I was a small, small young girl, we had a dog with separation anxiety and we had no idea. We had no idea. We would leave him home and he would we'd come home and there would be drool. And then he would oftentimes escape and he would run away and then we would find him and, you know, all this stuff. And we hadn't just, we would go pick him up wherever he was and come home and wipe the floor. And, you know, we just, we weren't aware. And I think people are just very, very much aware now. Uh, and they are, they sort of self-select, I would say people that suddenly are aware of the problem. I do one of two things fairly quickly. They say, I can't deal with this. I'm going to find a new home or I'm going to drop the dog at the shelter. Or they say, wow, I had no idea. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And it's sort of two opposites of the, of the spectrum. Um, but I mean, I guess that's why we see so much of it is just the, the change of the way we in this world live and our lifestyles, I think has contributed. Yeah, and I think uh, that it, it completely changed uh, the lifestyle of dogs. And I think maybe the dogs were not, not really ready to, to this kind of new lifestyle, this new function. I, I often call this that dogs now have a new function being 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 family dogs being family members because because if if we talk about a farm dog a herding dog a hunting dog such a dog uh, has an absolutely different life and nowadays especially in in big cities everyone knows that, that you can you can feel yourself really on your own in london for example a huge city but 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 solitude is 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 a current problem in the human society worldwide, because because scientists always warn people that there are, there are more and more people with depression, anxiety, and and many other problems. So uh, we got lonely, and I think dogs are are perfect to 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 substitute or substitute the the missing human interactions and and relations, or just to ease that that problem, because they are fantastic creatures. They, the, the way they communicate, the way they interact, the way they react. But this kind of new, new lifestyle, uh, we, I wouldn't say we force the dogs into that, but maybe, it, maybe it's a bit, bit offensive, but we put them into to a new role, a new function. And, and I have the feeling that we humans don't, don't really know how to help our dogs to, 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 to function well in this situation because they are trying, they're trying hard to, to, to please us. And, and, and we probably, if I say we fail them, it is, it is too strong, but we have to learn. We have to learn how to, we, we have, to, have to learn how to teach our dog, how to help our dog be a, a good family member. I think this is this is my theory. I don't know if it's if I'm right, but 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 that's what I see that that it it has some connection to this this absolutely changed function of dogs, and and this is something that that the species itself hasn't had to 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 cope with during the last ten thousand years. That's right. Uh, and 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 that's the reason why I wanted to 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 talk about this a bit. Uh, because this is why we have to take uh, care of our dogs. That's why we have to solve their behavioral issues. 
because because we are probably if if my theory is right but 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 you were talking about something really close but from another respect if we are part of this 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 problem it is our duty to help our dogs and not put them into the shelter it is it absolutely is and one of the beautiful things that you said you know is that we have imposed this tremendous change um, where dogs are our family members they are our support animals whether whether they're you know actually support animals or not but that we we rely on them for our emotional health and well-being uh and i think it's only fair that they should be able to rely on us in the opposite direction yes yes, yes. i think it, it is it, it, it should be the basic issue for, for every is. dog parents especially if they if they consider themselves as dog parents yes and, and i think this is this is the perfect closure for this for, for this really serious and really complex yeah. topic i i do thank you for for accepting my invitation because because i, I learned a lot I, I I I know the topic more or less. I I know about behavioral problems. I know about dogs, but I really learned a lot, and I got a really I would say a really deep insight into into this this problem. And I do hope the audience got a very good good chance to to understand uh, uh, how it how it develops. What is the reason behind which? We do not really know, but you know, but 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 I'm sure we we could could touch those 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 really really important parts, which would be helpful for for everyone. And and the main message that that you have to take care about your dog, you have to take care about the behavioral problem. So thank you so much for being thank with you. us. Thank you. So thank much. you so much. I really appreciate your time and for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.